I did not say anything about fat people being pretty. I, I think I'm not. pretty. Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm your host, Nate Kowser, coming to you on this Friday. I am um, being tested in every way, shape, fashion, or form. Um, Y'all like my new glasses? Are they, you know, are they suitable? <laughs> uh, this was issue number one because I ordered contacts. I didn't order glasses. I went to go pick my contacts up and there was a pair of glasses waiting for me. Okay. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to charge me for it and I'm going to get my uh, contacts in. So, you know, every silver lining, there's a silver lining in everything. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about faith, belief, and what I'm understanding to be patience. Because mm. you definitely need patience when trying to tap into your faith uh, and your belief system. Um, my guest today is none other than the Latanya Valencia Moss, soon to be Dr. Latanya Valencia Moss. Um, and today's topic came from one of her sermons. Uh, I was watching one of her sermons that she does uh, every Sunday uh, virtually. Uh, the Powell Center of Be More. Go to her on Instagram. Um, it, it's at the bottom of the screen also. Um, and she was talking about this seven-day belief talent. And at that moment, I had been practicing my, my faith a lot as we going on because everything that could go wrong is going wrong during this pandemic. Um, I'm really practicing a lot of patience and stillness. And I'm not a panicky person anyway, uh, but I'm really learning how to tap into um, that energy that is uh, my patience and, and such. Um, and that your sermon, Latanya, really um, inspired me to challenge myself. But I'll say to you before I introduce, I'll say to you before I introduce you. Um, this was the most challenging challenge that I've had all oh. summer long. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and I'll say one because I had to focus on my belief system oh. and my ability to have blind belief and blind faith uh, every single day. Sometimes we are on autopilot. Sometimes we are really focused in, but when you have to focus on it and give an intention every single day, that was difficult. So without further ado, I want to introduce Ms. Latanya Valencia Moss uh, to uh, the Artist Exchange once again. She's been on here several times. So how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing very well today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Monty, did I say it right? Yeah, she said it right. No, it's Monty. Monty. And oh, I, no, I was, no, it's Moni. Moni, Moni, Moni. I was telling Moni that, you know, the day has been, it's been okay, it hasn't been as productive as I would have liked 
for it to have been, but it, I, I'll get productive after, after I'm done this. So it's kind of been a lazy morning a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's felt like that this week. I don't know whether it's the weather or just this glooming political system that we're in right now, oh, but yeah, it, yeah. Felt really, it felt like we were dragging, or I've been dragging um, this week. Uh, but I want to jump right out there and jump right into this seven-day belief challenge that I uh, was inspired by you. Um, but can you give a little bit of backstory on your your sermons? Uh, many people don't know that you are a minister. Uh, like I met you as a uh, a playwright and not a minister, but it made so much sense with the <laughs> the way you write your plays that you would be a minister um, and that you have a strong faith. But can you give us a little backstory on your ministry and then we can get right into the belief family. I started, so I'm calling it, this is what I'm calling it. The, the backstory is, you know, starting something at the ease COVID-19 and was ready to go into uh, ministry and and not go in ministry from the perspective of that somebody was doing it wrong. I always like to say that it's not about somebody doing it wrong. It's about being a doctoral student has really helped me understand this from this perspective. It's about what do I add to the conversation? And Mm -hmm. if what I have to add to the conversation is what somebody else is already saying, then there's really no need for my voice. Mm. But if what I have to add to the conversation is something that is not being said or is coming from a different perspective, then what I see, what I experienced, and what, what is it can I add to the conversation? So starting a ministry has been akin to that for me. What can I add to the religious conversation, the spiritual conversation that is not already there, that is not present. And if it's not anything or if it's not warranted, then neither am I needed or warranted. So it's not about competing. It's not about lining up um, philosophies or belief systems, but it's really for me personally, it's about perspective. And then bringing a perspective that comes and talks about transcendence from the perspective of looking at religion or spirituality from a transcendent place and mm-hmm. understanding that what we see and what we know is not always tangible. Right. But I, I, I value your perspective as a minister because I like, I like teachers when it comes to ministers and, and and the best minister that I've ever been under in terms of guidance and leadership has been a teacher. And I, I value you as a teacher because you're not you're not just throwing doctrine at us. You're not just um, reading from a book, but you're actually teaching us and teaching us from experience. Many of your sermons deal with you. Like I think you're meeting you're having a, a, a group meet uh, this weekend with you and your uh, ex-husband. So that, that is from the perspective of truth. And most people can, can deal with it uh, when they know the person is coming from an experienced place rather than something they heard or they read in between the Bible pages. 
was that was that purposefully well that's that's you i mean you know from my writing as an artist that is who i am if i can't come from a place of truth i don't know that i want to show up to that conversation anyway right. in anything that i do from that perspective have we lost nate from anything from anything i do from that perspective i don't i, I don't if i can't come from a place of truth i don't want to come and even right. if i and even if i come from a place of inauthenticity because at that moment in my life just say this particular moment in my life i'm masked and i'm operating from a zombie place mm -hmm. soon as i wake up and realize that i was operating from a zombie place i will go make the correction so i'm well, always about truth mm -hmm. but that doesn't always translate when you are dealing with um church folk no it doesn't <laughs> it you doesn't get offended by your honesty they do and that, and that certainly has been my experience. And my experience is not, my my religious experience per se has been a very painful one. Mm -hmm. Talk about it from a religious perspective because I'm not religious. And so to, to say that I, I'm pastoring a church or I have a church and, and I'm even working on changing that so we can get me out of this title of pastor and get me out of these religious titles that have caused trauma and people hear them and see them and it, and it further brings them mm -hmm. bondage and disillusionment with the black church as we know it i want to call myself a prophetic a prophetic leader or pr mm. prophetic spiritual leader in the sense of i'm a woman who is saying who's standing on the principle that i have a relationship with source that i do and that mm -hmm. is my truth and as a result of having a relationship with source it has not prohibited precluded me from struggling from life from being punched from being persecuted from being but what it has done is offered me god uh, how, you know whatever somebody's god of understanding is as a co-pilot in my life and i literally mean that co-pilot and as much as people try to say you know god is the pilot he's not he's the co-pilot people right. are driving and making decisions for their life every single god dog on day and mm -hmm. oftentimes without consulting anybody but their flesh their desire or whatever so that's a misnomer when we look at it because nobody is perfect on all the time 100 percent of the time at all so i espouse religion from the perspective of you have the ability to have a relationship with god and in my case coming through the christian faith that god is the lord jesus christ in that sense so i'm trying to make it make sense in a way where i don't offend anybody but i tell my truth that makes I, the first time i've ever been to that type of church was uh I was asked to speak at the ethical society. I don't know if you've ever been introduced to them, but they're like a spiritual um, church. Um, it's non-denominational from what I understand from it, but it it they have a guest speaker every Sunday. Uh, and it's more so of a, 
like a conversation with the congregation versus this person standing up here delivering a message. We sing a couple songs, somebody catch the Holy Ghost, but it was more so like a classroom setting. Um, and I thought I was being introduced as like a second service or after the service conversation. And when I realized, oh, this is what you asking me, you asking <laughs> and I'm gonna send it to you because I was rambling and I was sweating. And they told me like right before I started talking and the pressure was on. Uh, but when you speak of it in terms of it being an exchange, that's why I like the fact that you are able to do this virtually before you have a brick and mortar because you're setting the table for what your future uh, sermons and conversations will be with them. And I, I love the fact that I can um, uh, talk with you while you're teaching in that moment. That made the biggest difference. And I'm telling you, once that catches on, once people realize that they require that level of truth, it's going to be hard for people to go back to what we had before. And many of us were like, for me, I have to be very transparent. I've been looking for a new church home because I felt that I, that feeling of being church hurt, like not being respected, not being looked at, always being looked at as uh, somebody from, from the world and never feeling at home. You know, um, coming from the AME denomination, they switch around their pastors for various reasons and not just, um, uh, for wrongdoing, but just sometimes just to shake up the congregation. And that that broke me because I was in the midst of really breaking through. And then our pastor was sent to another church. Oh, wow. wow. So I didn't, I was being told I could not leave or I should not leave. My my flesh wanted to follow her and I was stuck in, in between mentally. So, you know, I, I really value this platform where we're able to have church and I'm able to push the heart button and like and correspond and 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 you hear it and you're seeing it in real time. And I don't have to set up a meeting to have this personal conversation with you after church. I'm able to have an actual classroom setting church session. And it it is it has made the difference for me. It really you has. You don't mind having them so you know, I can I can count I can count on you to have those conversations with me, but but with teaching as my secular job, my profession, mm-hmm. it is something that is orgasmic for me. Yeah. Because you can't be a teacher and an educator at your core. Mm-hmm. Not playing, not just for a check, not because it's a job to do and have the summers off but i'm saying you were created to educate and combat ignorance or you're going to be turned on about anybody's level of inquiry because mm. the, that 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 gets you high because somebody is saying teach me tell me i want to know help mm. me grow me stretch me because that's what teaching does and it doesn't feel i mean i'm i'm not saying god is not in it because i feel god in it you know, I'm compelled. I uh, I just feel different. Do you feel different in your seat, or has your son felt different in his seat when he joined you uh, for those uh, virtual uh, church services? Do you feel different? Well, when you say the 
when you say the word different for me, I, I, I certainly feel different in the mm -hmm. sense of, like I said, I've experienced so much persecution for being so different mm -hmm. and for being so misunderstood. And right. so I didn't start a ministry to say, well, now nobody can hurt me. I, and I, I want to say this very clear too. So right. I didn't start a ministry to say, oh, okay, so if I start my own, then nobody can hurt me. No, as long as there are human beings, you'll get hurt. It doesn't matter what you do. Hurt has to do with our imperfection as human beings. We're imperfect. And so right. hurt is always a part of the equation. So when you understand it from that perspective, you mm -hmm. wear forgiveness as a garment. Forgiveness is like this tissue is constantly with you because you got to blow, you know, it's constantly with you because you understand you're dealing with flawed people and you're dealing with people who vary in their level of consciousness. Everybody is not on the same level. Everybody's not in the same place, even though we may espouse the same religion, even though we may espouse the same God, even though we may at a foundational level believe the same thing, how that manifests or is revealed in each one of our lives, it's different. And so mm. I didn't go in not thinking that it wouldn't be. I went in with that clear understanding as a as an academician, as an educated woman, that I know that that in terms of hurt and people and disappointment, no church is ever going to ward itself off from that or safeguard that part of humanity because that's humanity. And mm -hmm. nothing to do with deity. That's just humanity. And people get hurt where humans gather. Period. Period. Mm -hmm. I'm not. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out here going, Ooh, okay. No, this is safeguard for me. No, but I can say virtually has allowed me to present the gospel in a way that I have not had to be inundated by serving in a capacity of really dealing with the heaviness of ministry from that perspective. I do get people mm -hmm. offline. Will you pray for me? I do get people offline. Will you will you counsel me? And I do those things as I am able to do because you know I don't have a brick and mortar. It's not somebody that's officially a member of the church or anything like that. But I'm streaming live. So because I'm streaming live, my DM, my, my DM is full with people mm -hmm. who have questions, people who are asking for money all kinds of things that go along with a person's understanding of ministry and church and what it is and what it does. But I'm, I'm breaking all of those rules for me personally about what it is mm -hmm. and what it does. And even though that's what you're used to, then I have no offense to you going to what you're used to. But what you will not do is put yeah. me in a box that you are accustomed to being in. You're not going to do that. Yeah, you can follow her on uh, Tonia. You can follow her on Facebook, um, where oh, most of her, her services. <laughs> I said somebody commenting somewhere, like I'm missing stuff. Yeah, it's in the comment section. <laughs> oh, I so this is this is live on Facebook and YouTube, so people are able to see. Oh, you okay. I didn't. Okay, so I I did a watch party, but you got stuff going on. I'm like somebody somebody commenting somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, okay, all right. Well, thank you. And this is why tech-wise, I'm I'm lost because Marnie has made it so easy for me to just sit here and talk, just and talk. that's all I have to do is log in and talk. But I I, I really um. I'm not saying I rediscovered church because, to be honest with you, I never had a solid foundation in church outside of my school, actually. Um, going to Catholic school, we went to mass every day. We prayed before every class, at the end of every class. So that was the structure. So I'm good at prayer, but the structure of the building, that was something that came on and off as a child. And I was able to choose. My mother gave me the choice and not um, forcing me to make a decision. Um, but it wasn't until I became an adult and I went on my own um, that I, I actually chose Christianity in terms of, re of religion. It was the most comfortable to me. And I still got to learn about everything else, but it really did come as an adult. Um, my, my question to you, not necessarily... Um, it, it, it was more in a direction of now having this as a platform where um, it's not a, a singular place, but mm -hmm. your reach is so far. Mm -hmm. How has it been with the influx of people from all walks of life? You say you've gotten them from overseas, Africa, Everything. many different Everything. other countries. Everything. What Everything. does that feel like? Because normally you had to go out to these places to get that type of interaction. Now, the way technology has it, um, and especially this pandemic, has afforded many people like us that do this, where we're talking to others, we don't have to necessarily move. It's just in our space already, it automatically is in our space. Being a minister in this moment, having that type of reach, how does that, how does that, how has that changed? Because you, you're used to being in a pulpit or, in a church body or at least a conference setting, but now anybody can tune in. So he, he, here's the specialization for me specifically. I teach as a community college professor mm -hmm. to people from all over the world. Okay. That's, that's the difference with me. So, and because I have experience mm. in teaching people, who are from all over the all over this world, Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, atheists, agnostics, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I have I have I have lived with also a white male, a Hispanic woman, and an Asian woman. Live, not met, not live, shared a home, living space with. So mm -hmm. I, I so as I watch everything coming come into fold, I thank God for my whole life's preparation for this moment. So I'm not mm -hmm. going, okay, well, so what do I do with them? Oh, okay, I don't understand that. Well, what do I do with them? Oh, okay, well, I don't know what they're saying. What, would I, what do I do with them? I do know because I've had 17 right. years of practice of dealing with my uh, Muslim Middle Eastern female students. This one, one student, uh, bless her heart, she came and she said, I am divorcing my husband. I said, I said you can't do that. She said, I want, I, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. You, you, I, I, Professor Moss, I want to be like that. I don't like 
being weak. I don't like it. And, and I'm sitting her down, culturally talking to her. You, you, you cannot go home and just like turn over the whole apple cart in your house for meeting me in a classroom for living on your week. You have that fool over people. I need you to understand. You, I, I, I don't gravitate towards just anybody, <laughs> even in the arts. So for, for me to have as strong a relationship with you as I have with Tanelia, who introduced me to you, that says a lot. That that says a lot. Even Tanelia has said, "What is this? What is what is the connection?" <laughs> but you know, often, you know, you know. Now I think you're my little brother. Now it's just you're my little brother. <laughs> right. Spiritually, we're we're always yearning for answers because I have tons of questions, and creatively and spiritually, and that's what that's what theater is to me. You know, I've been the minister of the fine art ministry before. Yes. So I, yes. it had to be, you know, connected. In college, my professor was a Bible-toting grandma of a teacher. So I, I got it that way. And even my introduction to theater, I went to Catholic school my whole life. That's where I was introduced to theater. So it's always been was a, a foundation of spirituality in, in various forms. But it, it had to come together. So. I don't I really don't understand what why you don't get people have gravitated towards you because you force people to listen. And that level of freedom sometimes, whether it be creative or spiritual or even educationally, you don't get that across the board from teachers or ministers at all. Normally there's a wall put up. I, I, I think what I like to append to that and say is I was just talking, tutoring a, a young girl and we were having some conversation about her, you know, her future. I think what I do that is a that is an affront to other people. It may not be an affront to the person who is experiencing it with me. Is that I um, invoke you to think. Mm. And we live in a society where metacognition is something that most people do not do. They don't know how to think about what it is that they're thinking so they can make an assessment as mm -hmm. to their actions and make an assessment as to their life and determine if they want to continue in the vein or not. And if they don't, what things do they want to change? What behaviors do they want to change mm -hmm. to catapult them into a different direction? And, and that it is all up to them. And so I don't, so even with my son, who's, who's been with me all his life, I don't promote religion as a form of legislation. I don't believe that as a human being who has bone, marrow, blood, water, just like other human beings, that I can legislate then morality for them. I mm -hmm. just, I don't ascribe to that. I believe that through, through Jesus Christ and having a, a, a internal Holy Spirit, a part of me, that the Holy Spirit becomes a legislator and not just of my life, of everybody's life. And mm -hmm. so if God isn't convicting you about your behavior, 
I don't understanding how can I? Right. And so right. that's a that's a very different way of leading. <laughs> and it's a very controversial way. It's a very it's a very controversial way of leading, but what it what what people don't understand that it doesn't do, it doesn't cause anarchy. And so because people are afraid of anarchy, they are afraid of people having the ability to allow the one that created them to legislate them. And mm -hmm. so it's like man getting in God's business. I don't want to be in God's business in that way. So I might be doing God's business. But I don't want to get in God's business because in order for me to get into God's business, then I simultaneously not just play God, but I play God for you. Mm. That is what I refuse to do. And that can be dangerous on a, a indecisive spirit when when because then what if you capture them? Then you and then you are seen to be infallible, or you are seen right, to I'm be not, yeah, no. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, but what right. happens right when you when you are seen like your flesh yeah. is seen? Yeah, you know, then all yeah. that goes out the window, and now I'm church hurt. When it, when people put me on pedestals, I get down. Mm -hmm. And so, if you get stung or hurt by me. It's because you right. put me on a pedestal. But see, the beauty of I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm coming off of a pedestal. Right. But I'm, see, the beauty in the relationship that I've developed with you, I clearly could see flaws, and it, it, that that's not a knock to you. But no, I was I, able to see and flaws in terms of, right, but flaws in terms of your vulnerabilities, you know, or you know. I always felt like you were keeping something from everybody in terms of me meeting you as a playwright. I could tell you was as honest as you, you could be on the paper, but there was something. And it wasn't until recently that I learned what that something was. So it is, you could have possibly like wrecked me because I really saw you as this phenomenal playwright, this honest, truth telling, story focused uh, woman. But I'm I'm glad I was able to meet you in a creative space and not in a church space because there's a different level of of responsibility put on you when you're when you meet someone as a minister and I and I I feel so like I I pray for a lot of the ministers that I know because I know they're not perfect and I just hope that people once once they realize that that they aren't you know shifted from the truth that God has given them to kind of speak to all of us with. Yeah, it's 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 like um Tanya has a question spell like my name, your name is spelled like mine. So she has a question. Yeah. Um so please ask your question. But what I wanna what I wanna say to that is even as a professor, this is what I tell my students. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting we're in this room together. We're closed in the room. We're in this room together. I'm I, I'm really no different than you. Right. For the assignment that I have. Mm -hmm. The assignment that I have is to be the facilitator of learning. Right. The assignment mm -hmm. that you have is to learn. But those assignments does not mean that when I walk out of here, I'm not going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that. 
It doesn't mean when I walk out of here, I'm not feeling lost. It doesn't mean that. It, when we come into this room, we can literally be experiencing the same thing. And the only thing that differentiates us is the fact that I play a different role than you play. And, th and that's no different than in religion so or church or ministry. I just play a different role. But the role I play does not preclude me from being human. It does not preclude me from being vulnerable. And I think the misnomer here is also the expectations. So I'm going, and, and some people might not agree and you don't have to agree because I'm never looking for agreement. The expectation here is that even the people, you put something on a leader to live a certain way that you won't live. That's crazy to me. You, if, if you're going to say to me, because I have a title, then I shouldn't fornicate and say, because you don't have a title, you, you should. No, right. baby, we're in here together. And so if there's no fornicating, then that means nobody is fornicating. It right. doesn't mean I, I have, you know, because God, God knocked on my door and said, I want you to teach it. It does not mean that now all of a sudden I got armor on that just stops me from being attractive to men, just automatically just stops me yeah, from wanting to have sex. It just stops. No, it doesn't. And I think that misnomer right there is, is what hurts both ends of the spectrum. No, mm -hmm. we're all in this together. Let's, There's I, another I expectation that we often have for people in ministry that, like you said, we don't have for ourselves. And I don't know did, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but it is, I, I've, seen, I've seen that, I've seen churches fall literally fall apart, have to close down, be shut down, a new pastor has to be brought in, congregations shifting over, shifting over, because people had this belief in their pastor that was unbelievable. Right. Unmeasurable. Yes. I like that. I like that. Un, un, unbelievable. And and it's a, it's a measure that you have on your pastor that you don't have on yourself by mm -hmm. virtue of title. Now, 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 I'm not saying that title does not have responsibility. Both does. I, I, I have a responsibility to grade my students by the end of the semester, enter a grade in a system so that their that that grade can allow them to um, go forward. I have a I have a fiduciary responsibility, but they also have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to turn in the assignments and do the assignments and make sure the assignments are done so that I can do my responsibility. So those right. things happen together. She said, I think the issue is not the falling, but okay. okay. So she, she asked the question of, I'm trying to see, what if they didn't put you on a pedestal, a pedestal, you're put, you're put in a leadership position of difficulty here you you seen them fall and you push to assist in their mess the leader okay so i'm, I'm gonna try to unpack that if i can so you're yeah. saying that is because of the people whether you are put on the pedestal or not that it's the people that push the leaders to be in this particular um position or and as a result many, of that, and and i think just a little insight in that i think what Tony, if I can understand it, often pastors are being put into churches 
where they're either accepted from day one or not. And many times there's foolishness in the church, you know, and like I said, I'm from AME, so I think foolishness is a part of the doctrine of that church. And I'm not being so general, but from based on my experience. Um, and I think a lot of us, you know, we, we don't like the pastor. So now the pastor has to break through or find a breakthrough or try to get along or try to, you know, deal with the mess and foolishness. I think what happens then when the pastor isn't, you know, the be all end all to the situation. I, I think that's where she was going. Okay. With. Yeah. She said, she said, I'd rather see my pastor be human and honest. Well, mm -hmm. in terms of me, anybody, any, anybody will tell you, um, mm -hmm. for me, you're going to get that because just across the board, no matter what role I right. people watch the relationship I have with my son. Why is it so? Because I've always been human and honest. That's, a, that's, that's the only reason why my son and I have the relationship we have and something that and people will go, you, you, you tell your son that? Yes, because this mm -hmm. is what I want him to know that I'm I don't ever, ever, ever want him to have some aggrandized view of what adulting or becoming a an adult means or becoming a human or becoming whole. I don't want him to have some aggrandized notion of that. I'm not interested in them having that. And the only way children, members, whomever, they don't have that is that, you know, there's that understanding that I'm leading from a place of I am growing too. <laughs> I'm not leading from a place of I've arrived anywhere. But I think that is it pastors need to start saying that. One one I I, and I'm not going to say a name because of what I'm about to say, but one of my favorite pastors in the world, I'm, I'm a member of the church, and we're all, you know, in the midst of me going through this, I'm still a growing man, so I have needs and yearns and all those things like everybody else, and my we got on a subject matter, um, and she, she said, I have trouble uh, when I go on a date with a man not allowing him to sleep over. And I had never heard a pastor, you know, coming from Catholic church, you don't even know these people have a past life. All you know is the person standing in front of you. So for a pastor to say, I have trouble not sleeping with people that I'm attracted to when I'm in a situation or on a date or something. And I had never heard that level of honesty. It didn't make the struggle easier for me. But it put it into perspective that no matter where you are on that spectrum of your other of relationship with God, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be something that pops up. Um, Tonya says, unfortunately, many pastors have the I've arrived mentality. No, no, no. Yeah. To, to arrive, to really arrive means you're ready to be called home in my mind. So mm. to say, you're, to say you, you have arrived then that means your destination and your time here is complete. You're done. We, we really have no more use. Like that. Yeah, if you arrive, that means you're exiting. You're about you finished. You finished. You're about to exit off the scene. So as long as I'm on the scene, I am arriving. It's a gerund. It's an ing. It's a moving thing. It is not an ed. It's never a past tense thing. It is a continuing thing that is happening in present, perfect, present, present, perfect, perfect tense. All y'all English people out there, whatever the tense is, but it's definitely not a 
past tense. It's not right. I have arrived. Duh. It is I am arising. And, and in my arising, I am still making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes egregious ones. Right. And then I'm thinking, I, I just watched, um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube. I watch, um, I've been listening to Babyface a lot. And it amazes me how a man can speak, not for a woman, but write music that speaks to who women are, what they struggle with, what they go through. And this takes me to the next part of the conversation. You have said many times, you, you feel God is pointing you in a direction and placing you in places where you are overseeing everyone, but mostly men. What has given you the, what, what experience do you have that you feel prepared or do you feel prepared to minister to these, this body of men? That, that, that's, that, that, that's a good question in the sense of, let me see. Um, to, her name is Tonia. Uh huh. Okay, Tonia, help help me. I I don't know you, but I'm gonna see if I can unpack this. But she seemed to be in line with, or at least feeling the conversation. She grew up in the church. She's a minister kid as well. Okay, okay. So she so let, understands. Let me see if I can unpack this. I reared mm-hmm. my son. For marriage. Okay. I reared him for marriage. I reared him to be able to speak a woman's language. Okay. Most of the issues that we have in society that is society is patriarchal. And so mm-hmm. because it's patriarchal, all of the uh, criticism or critical thought or thought leaders come from men. And so if everything is coming from men, then we continue to stay in a patriarchal framework. And as long as we stay Mm -hmm. in a patriarchal framework, we keep the divide. So as a woman, if I'm dressed in a woman with breast and hair and I can smile and you look at me and, and, and whatever your ideologies are as a man, when you look at me, you feel attracted to me and you see my breast, you, you're going straight to that part of you that goes, ding, 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 woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that alone will draw you to the conversation because, okay, she's cute. She's attracted. All that stuff that's happening with the man. But then when you come to the table to have the conversation and you expect me to lack intelligence or you expect me to really fall at your feet and you experience the opposite, you sit up straight. Mm-hmm. And you sit up straight because you're going, now how? She's incarnated. She's incarnated as a woman. And God did that on purpose. Mm. Because it's going to take a woman to, it's not going to take another man. We've been doing it with men. It, didn't, it hasn't worked. 
Right. That's not work. It just makes society more masculine, more hard, more. So it's going to take a woman who has the ability to self-manage her, self-manage her emotions and her feelings, those things that turn men off and be able to come to the table in a very stable and still calm perspective and prevent a logical argument that he cannot refute. And then when he sees the woman part, he's reminded, oh, that's a woman. Right. And so then I begin to dispel myths to kick out and just to do all of that and then invite them to also come in and show their feminine side because they see me showing, if you will, masculinity and my ability to wield words and my ability to create a logical argument that is not coming from an emotive place that just says, oh, she just in her feeling. And so then what I can do is invite them to be in there. And you just speaking to what our connection is. I don't I don't know if you understand that. Okay. I was raised, but I was raised by women. So that is my understanding. Normally I could I can communicate with women, normally older women, much better than a lot of the other men, older and younger, around me. So that was that was my draw to you because I didn't feel like I had to be uber masculine, masculine. or toxic in terms of my uh, connection to your work. And I was very shocked that you trusted me with something that was so woman-based. Like, I didn't get that. It's as women elders who are more mentally, oh, I, I lost it. It is as women elders who are more mentally, emotionally, and spiritually stable are shunned and what causes, oh, okay, in which causes, a form mm -hmm. of church hurt. Yeah, absolutely. But I this this that was my connection to you. And many in many variations, every time I work with another artist or another writer, I always felt the need to have to buff my chest up a little bit and puff up a little bit more. And it it's very it's it's draining for men to be that at all times. At all times. <laughs> It's very draining. That's why you sometimes they look lost because you're trying to maintain that level of masculinity that's not real at all times. It's not even real for the the uber masculine man. It is not real, and so and so I'm I'm not gonna go there, but I'm gonna go there just a little bit. So what happens with the uber masculine? What Hello. happens with the uber masculine man? Hmm. So you don't really know what happened to him. Sometimes I, I, he, ha he has to go some other places uh -huh. where he gets to be feminine. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And normally, because it's not, it's it, it's really not sustainable. It is not it's sustainable. Not, it is it's a, not, it's not sustainable for anybody. It is not around with the stomach stuff that you may. You may learn how to do it, but at some point when you exhale the right way and you feel the relief, it, it becomes something that you got to keep going back to finding a way to get back to that thing. Yes, and it, it, it is one of the reasons I'm so connected to 
your work or just being an artist in general, because it's, I feel like for me, it's the one space in life that I can just be, not be, not even just be me, but just be. Be. And I don't have to stand up towards those unrealistic measures of what a man well, is supposed to be. My my son, he was two two stories. He was 10, two, 10 probably 10, 12-ish, and 16. 10, 12, and 16. And we were at, so however, I was at UB finishing up my MFA, and we're at a poetry reading. And there's a limited amount of African-Americans in the room, and the speaker is African-American. And she looks over at me and my son in the corner, and she says, Mother, you about to lose that. Get ready for that to be gone. Get ready for that to be gone. And my son, Ma, is she talking to us? <laughs> is, she, is she talking to us? And I'm like, yes, baby, she's talking to us. And he was like, what, what is she saying? What is she saying? I said, well, she's trying to say to me that you're up under me now, but you are about to outgrow that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next, he's 16. We're in the doctor's office. We're in the doctor's office together. We're waiting on our turn to go back. I'm sitting there. He's up under my arm. The nurse says to me, how old is he? I said, he's 16. She said, he's 16? I said, yeah. She said, I lost that when my son was about 12. Mm. Oh, what, what I long for my son to, to do. My my son is like what 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 is wrong with y'all? Like what is like what is wrong with the world? This is my mother. Yeah. I will be loving my mother like this until she take her last breath. He's twenty one. But look at look at what they're doing to young men. Look at what look at that example. It, it's almost telling us okay, it's time separate. Right. That's the point I'm making. And so mm -hmm. if somebody if somebody doesn't come in and reteach and dispel those misnomers, then we continue to perpetuate this masculine patriarchal society that is actually imbalanced. And even to speak to what she said about this is this is certainly how women elders in the church get hurt. And so if you are listening to me, then you can you can only imagine how much hurt in the church that I have gotten as a result of being me, of having this ideology that I have, and if you will, not taking my rightful place as a woman. And I and I say this, God did this. I did not do this. And, and for much of my life, I, I hated it. I, I, and I and I want to say that today. Be clear. For much of my life, I have hated it. I have cursed my own self, my own bending, crying out to God, asking God, why would you give me all this power, all of this strength and make me a woman? I'm constantly just, you know, just persecuted and, you know, censored and all of those things because as a woman, I'm not supposed to be able to think. And he said, but that's the point. 
It's taken me years to get. No, no, I didn't make a mistake making you a woman. I need you to be you clothed as one. If, I can use you the same way if you was a man. You'll just fit right in with the, no, I want you to stick out as a woman to demonstrate something and show something. And, and, and But it's taken me pretty much most of my life and my mother, if she was here, she would to to understand that and get that because my mother even oh somebody's gonna kill my daughter. My God, her mouth, her the way she thinks, somebody gonna kill my daughter. My daughter, why? Because she's a woman, and as a woman, you're not supposed to have those thoughts, Latanya. You're not supposed to be able to think that way. You're not supposed to. That's not supposed to make sense to you like that. You're supposed to get over there and. So, so with that in mind, yes, yes, Tonia, I have had plenty, 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 plenty of church hurt as a result of that. But I've come through that. I've come through that to say, if you don't like it, you need to take this up with Elohim. Because who, you will, who, you, will, who you will not take it up with is me anymore. You Can take you it up imagine? with how many men feel like what you just presented just now? Can you imagine how many of us are living life and living through life with a voice, with a personality, with urges that don't fit the shell that we've been put in? And this isn't about sexuality at no. all. It's, it's, and it, it's so, for me, it wasn't an anger, it was embarrassing. Because often those traits shine through whether you are realizing it or not. not. Mm -hmm. And when people see it, they automatically attach that to your sexuality and not yes. to yes. your calling yes. life or your your presence or your gifts and talent. And it is it has been a hardship uh, for me for a number of is to witness individuals like you and to have to live that way myself. It almost feels like what transgender people explain in their yes, head. Yes, 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 yes. Like I would, I feel like I'm, I'm not opposed to my body, but I feel mentally I'm in a wrong space. I'm, I've been put in the wrong shell only because of what society tells me my limitations are. Yeah, I, and I think I think gender roles actually has because they've been so narrow and boxed, they haven't been fluid enough, and mm -hmm. so and, and that's what we're experiencing now. This fluidity that for some of us, of course, it looks like complete chaos, mm -hmm. but if you are a person who's living under that uh, mental, emotional, physical spiritual oppression it feels very different to you than it does to onlookers so although people are looking at me and and they and they might feel some kind of way to them but i promise you the way it feels to you as a onlooker times that for 10 of the way it feels as the person who feels oppressed trapped marginalized and all of those things. So that's a formula. However you feel about it, looking at it, pointing at it, not understanding.
times that 10 for the person who's had to struggle through that oppression, marginalization, just to exist in a world and in a place where they can feel a sense of belonging. And that could be across mm. the spectrum with it. We are so away from our, we are so away from our top. No, but it, but it, but the reason <laughs> I, I, and I know how you gravitate. Now I'm starting to learn more how you move when you, you speak, but all of this has to be attended to before you can even get to belief. If all these things haven't been addressed or you're not aware or you don't have understanding and you're not on a road to improving and growing and understanding yourself more, your belief system matters nothing. Okay. I've always been in a space where throughout my life, I've always gotten windfalls. Now we understand windfalls is I find a hundred dollars on the ground or uh, somehow this door is open in life for me that, does not belong open. I've always gotten windfalls. I made a check for $1,500 out of nowhere. And a person who sent it can't explain to me or deny that it doesn't belong to me. Always. But that doesn't, that didn't stop any struggle, any, you know, the reverse of a windfall from happening. But I've always been able to depend on life to give me a windfall. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a hyperactive person, because no matter where I end up in life, no matter how low it may be, I know at some point somebody is about to come around that corner and lift me up. And that's where my belief system has always been. That's just been my life. And I, I've accepted the hardship because I've accepted the windfall. I had to accept both sides of it. Um, and I, I've, I've learned to appreciate the windfall more because I used to take advantage of them as a young person. Um, so, and, and I now transitioning to the belief challenge. That was the that was the hardest thing for me to do because it's I, it's easy for me to drift off and and daydream and okay. but to actively focus on prayer, belief, faith, and patience. And I did that every. I didn't treat this like. Well, I, I think I did treat it a little bit like Lent, uh, where I gave up something every day okay. to focus on that. Okay. So if okay. I was doing something for the show and I designated this amount of time, I would shrink that time and give half of that time to me focusing on my ask, what I believe, what I want to believe, my relationship with God, all those, all those things that equal up to that belief sound. I cursed you by Wednesday because I'm saying she keep putting these writing prompts in my head and, and I'm foolish enough to keep following them. Um, but it, this was the second time that you've given me a, a sacrificing type of challenge. The first time is when we I first did the show and you, you introduced this uh, thing where every day we had to give up something as we got closer to the show. That was the first time you did something like this. But this was difficult because focusing on your belief system is hard because that means your actions, your decisions have to equal up to what you believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, why did you do this, miss? <laughs> <laughs> 
what what was it? It came from mm-hmm. it came from a sermon that I like. You said it came from a sermon that I was mm-hmm. um, teaching, and that message I can't even remember the message. I would have to go back and look, but that message while I was teaching the Holy Spirit, I believe that was part of the conversation. Yeah, it was like, like while while I was teaching the message, it was like okay, mm-hmm. we need some more with this, and some more with this in terms of. I, I I don't know I I don't know how, you know I don't know how my ex husband will feel about this, um, but I'm gonna try to say it in a way where I don't dishonor him. I want to honor him in this moment, based off of my relationship with my ex husband. So I'm divorced, mm-hmm. and when you are divorced, you know ugly comes out, and so as a result of the ugly coming out, we are. 17 years later. And so we're doing a Facebook live to really talk about unpacking that and how do you live life after that. And so as a result of that, I believed something about him that was not true. And I believed it. And this is this is the thing, this is the belief challenge. This is the thing. When you believe it, it does become your reality. It becomes the reason why you need to do what it is that you do because you believe that thing. Listen listen to me, Tonea. And sometimes you believe it because in that moment of space and time in your life, you need to. Yeah. Get that. You need to. Because to not believe it means you're going to catapult your life in a direction that you don't have the spiritual, mental, and emotional fortitude to go in. So sometimes erroneous belief keep us stationed in our life at a certain place in time, patient, Mm -hmm. as the rest of our life that's coming after that is preparing itself for our arrival. I just said something heavy right there. You got to get that. But when it comes, mm-hmm. you cannot be afraid to shift the belief. When mm-hmm. it comes, when when you when when now the, the transcendence has come and you no longer can function in believing what you believe yesterday, because you have now had an encounter with spirit and you can no longer live at what you believe yesterday because what you believe yesterday has been holding you hostage and now it is time for you to be catapulted and do this quadrum leap so in order for that to take place what has Mm -hmm. to happen your beliefs have to shift and your beliefs have to shift to accommodate where you going oh Mm. my god and that and and by the way, that's even if God. that belief is true. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's the point of making. That's the point. That's the point of making. That's the point of making. Because of the fact that beliefs are our reality. It's our reality. Mm. It's our reality. And so when God is ready to shift your your reality, He gonna shift your belief system. And and belief is an action verb. That requires physical action. It requires a physical action. So you, on your day-to-day life, you are, that's why it was so hard. Because that belief 
the things that, so on that Sunday after the sermon, literally while you was doing it, I, I'm, I have to make things manifest into reality because it obligates me to push forward. So I made the flyer. So me making a flyer, I posted the flyer. So once I posted the flyer, I had to make a list. I had to, I had to drop the gun before I, I even spoke to you. I know. I was like, Nate, what? But that, but, but just understand, you I'm listening. Even, you didn't even give me a chance. And I wasn't mad. I was just like, okay, God, I hear you. But Nate, for real, though, give me a minute. I know I said it. I'm on it. And you was like, look, I this got, I got to do something with this. And it, it, it's right. because when I feel compelled, but see, that's that's from years of not moving on what God is speaking to me. Years of me saying, well, God, I know that's what you're asking me to do, but I'm going to go over here because that doesn't fit me. That doesn't, I can't wear that. That's, that doesn't look good on me. And and I, I, I jumped into it because I made a list of things I wanted. Things I really wanted to believe about me, about other people, about situations. And every day I had to actively agree with those decisions that I made and I put on that list. That's what made it hard because I did not want to believe certain people were changing. That they could change. That God was going to create a change. And I could not. It was hard. And I by Wednesday, I was like. I'm about to tell her something <laughs> because it was it was it felt unfair for me to have to believe in something that had hurt me or make an intention on something that had hurt me, a positive intention. That was that was very difficult for me. But here here here's here's the belief system about things that hurt us. Mm -hmm. They hurt us to move us. Mm -hmm. So I never, but see, I was standing still. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying still, still because you're focusing on the pain. Mm -hmm. Anytime yeah. you focus on the pain, you're not gonna move. But if you focus on what the pain came to do, you're gonna let the pain do what it came to do, and that's the move. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it only moves you an inch. Come on, if you get diabetes, what did diabetes come to do? Get you to stop eating sugar. Now, some people don't. Right. But when it comes, when it shows up, it's coming to move you. The pain is coming to move your behavior. Most people don't. They don't. Out of my business. <laughs> Most don't. people don't. Get out of my Most business. People don't. But when it does come, <laughs> it is coming to get you to act differently. It is right. coming to get you to act in a certain way. You know, I, I went to the doctor and I said, this is my testimony. I had um Graves disease and it was in remission. Went back, I'm having some thyroid. I probably have gained 25 pounds within the last couple of months because my thyroid is off. Right. And so mm -hmm. I go back to the doctor like, oh, my God, the thyroid is off. And, and he's telling me all the things. Get this. That I stopped doing. Mm. And, and, and why did I stop doing? It? It's because mm. I went in remission. OK, so when I went in remission, I thought it was safe to go back to previous behavior. Isn't that what we do? Yeah, yeah. When yeah, I went back yeah. to the previous behavior, 
I call back into my life the same disease. So I said, okay, God, I hear you. Mm -hmm. The pain showed up because that cannot, and this is the part we missed, it can no longer be my life. It can no longer be the way I exist, the way I flow, the way I move. We don't want to do that. We're always looking for a way to go back to what we've been delivered out of. We always look for some reason back there seems to always be more comfortable than right here and what the future has in store for us. That pain comes to move us. So mm -hmm. you get it, you got to say, so you so when the doctor say, okay, you need to exercise. Well, again, we will exercise to get the numbers down. Once we get the numbers down, we believe that exercising is no longer part of the equation. That's mm -hmm. not right. Hey, Uncle Daniel, that's my uncle. Hey, <laughs> good seeing you. That's something. How you doing, Uncle Daniel? Hey. <laughs> it, it, oh. it, is, it makes a lot, like, that's why I, I wanted to bring you on to talk to you about what, what I experienced in that, that seven days and maybe what you've experienced or if somebody else gave you comments on yeah. them trying it. But I know it was a test of faith. Yeah, for me too. For me it, too. It definitely was. For me too. And definitely that was something that happened to me during that, that I had to repent to God, repent to myself and say there is no going back when you change your belief when you when you've outgrown this form why are you putting yourself back in the form mm -hmm. just just move on and, and be willing to explore the more of life how do we get to experience the more of life when we're just content with experiencing what we've always always had you'll never get to experience the more of life and so sometimes you got to okay i can't do that like literally mm, done what's next I, and it, 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 the behavior is so ingrained in us and yep. a, a, a challenge i was going through i've never had an issue with my sugar levels but as we get older 40 is approaching, so I'm having issues with regulating my sugar. And I went to the doctors, and a normal number is between five, four and five with your sugar level. But mine was creeping up to six, and then the next time I had one, it was 12. Wow. And she, she, wow. Uh, before she even told me the number, she said, has anybody in your family ever had a stroke? And I said, yes, my mother had a couple. And before she could let me talk anymore, she said, you're about to have one if you don't change your behavior. And she was like, what is the thing that God, I said, well, I gave up sweets. And I said, she said, what do you drink? I said, fruit juice. She said, sugar. And I kept saying, but I gave up everything else. What do I have? She said, you know what juice tastes like. You, you remember what it tastes like. Let it go. Try something different. Ah, you know what that tastes like. Try something over here. And there's so much more to explore. And so because we're not willing to explore the more, mm -hmm. our, our belief system calls us to be anchored somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's killing us. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are killing us. Our belief system, they're killing us. And, and mm -hmm. we're anch anchored in places that 
is keeping us looking at the same four walls, keeping us looking at the same four people. Let me say this. Let me say this too. What God has said to me with with being virtually and doing the ministry online, you have been so hurt. This is me. You have been so hurt moving through and flowing through Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You've been so hurt moving through. But even Baltimore has almost 700,000 people mm-hmm. in the city, city proper, not county, city. Mm-hmm. Do you know all 700,000 of them? Keep tabernacling around these few hundred people mm-hmm. and, 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 and being, uh, you know, feeling some kind of way moving through the same systems, the same system of these hundreds of people and how these hundreds of, not even thousands, how these hundreds of people see you. Daughter, I got so many more people who can mm-hmm. see you that would gravitate to the words that I put in your mouth and where I want to take. But I can't do that if your belief system is so anchored here. Mm-hmm. Let me move you from the past. And so then that becomes a belief. So now the, my affirmation is I am amazing. I meet amazing people and I do amazing things. And listen, I meet, I, I keep saying, I meet a mate, not I met, I meet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to keep, oh my God, it's some amazing people in this city. And I don't know where y'all, I don't know where y'all people at who live in um Maryland because this is, this is you talking about doing a brick and mortar. I don't know where y'all at, but I know there's some amazing people in this city. It is some amazing people. In Baltimore City, Baltimore County, it's some amazing, and I don't know where y'all are, but because I'm affirming that as my belief, I'm about to meet y'all. And that's how we begin to anchor ourselves in a new belief set system that opens up our lives for new experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely speaking my language. Because as many times as I've moved away from Baltimore, I've I felt like that rubber band effect, something pulling me back. And it was me. It was me returning to that that place of comfort. Even when it, it depends on what part of the city I choose to live in. I, you know, I'm not comfortable in this area. Well, you never lived over there. So how can you be comfortable moving somewhere that's that's un, really unknown to you? Um, and not even not even leaning on the fact that it's an unknown. Yep. But um mm, let us, we're going to have to figure something out where I, I talk to you more often because this is, it, it is amazing how this virtual uh, world we're now in in the midst of this pandemic has brought us so closer together. People who can't stand each other want to be around each other now. And it's just because we're being told that we have to socially distance right, right, right. ourselves from each other. And it really has brought people together that normally don't want to be together. And you learn why you don't want to be with them, but at the same time, you are compelled to make things work or figure things out or forgive in a way that yes, you haven't forgiven. Yes, amen, amen. And it really does, it's just a level of honesty, I think, that people are being forced to have. Is is We have to have that level of honesty now. I have to tell you the truth about how I feel about how you hurt me 
how I want to move forward, what I want, what I don't want. And I find people really being that right now. They really finding that. But um, as we draw it to a close, can you tell people where we can find you every Sunday? She said, uh, I'm exhausted. This was a deliverance service. <laughs> so now, if this, if this was a deliverance service, then thank you for acknowledging that because mm -hmm. this is the type of deliverance that I'm talk, talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, deliverance can, and I have seen it happen supernaturally by the laying on of hands or by being in a spiritual service but the, the, the type of deliverance that really catapult somebody into a whole new life is when they are delivered from their belief system when they're delivered from their thinking when when they when they're they're not afraid to engage in metacognition you need to know what you're thinking you need to be able to examine your own thinking. You got mm -hmm. to be able to, because it is your thinking that's driving your life. And as much as there are, there are, there are external factors. There are external factors. But do you know how much you can combat external factors when you understand what it is that you're thinking subconsciously that is driving the external factors to meet who you are on an unconscious level. And until you're willing to go unconsciously and see what it is that I'm thinking at this lower level that is manifesting this man, this person, this friend, this job, this experience, until I'm ready, mate, you just like, until I'm ready to go there, then mm -hmm. I'm not gonna really be able to see the level of change that I can see, that I can experience, that I can. From the rooter to the tutor, from health to prosperity to occupations, to jobs, through service, mm -hmm. through relationships, through any and everything that we could have, desire or want or be a part of our life and our system, we can have that. Every Sunday, I'm at Perfect Order Worship Center on Facebook. We are there. I'm also a doctoral student as I am wrapping, wrapping up my doctoral studies i am coming on once a week god told me to give him 52 sundays virtually and he would show me when i got to the 52 sundays what i was supposed to do after that and he said i don't care if you come on and preach to the wind preach to the wind and every sunday if nobody comes it's me and nate <laughs> <laughs> If there's nobody there, if I feel and 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 and, and I can't see Nate because I you know I got these devices and I can't see, he'll go from my page to the church page to let me know I'm with you. Now you are not by yourself. But sometimes I can't see. I'm just I'm so caught up in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm by myself or not. Nate will leave this one and go over here and be like, nope, you are not by yourself. I am with you, man. I appreciate you. Anytime. I appreciate you. Now, I, I want to say this just quick. I appreciate you more than words can say. We know mm -hmm. the artistic thing. We know that thing. And more is coming with that. But mm -hmm. even in terms of me doing ministry, the way you have come and supported me in a way that other people have not, have not demonstrated 
probably mm -hmm. will not do because you know sometimes when you share you got to show people who you connected to and oftentimes people want to listen to you on the low you understand that but mm -hmm. you have shown your support to me out loud you have shown your support of me unapologetically you have not hid our relationship in any way shape form or fashion and that is certainly why i am here today because i endeavor to do the same i'm not interested in being in no secret clandestine relationship with anybody if the relationship we have and the love we have cannot be explained and showed in a public way then peace out so everything else tune in this saturday to Powell Center. Uh, yes, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. And she, yes. when she say 10 o'clock, that's what time it's going to be. Uh, so definitely tune on. I'm going to be there. You be there. Next up, it is Blue, Blue oh, Water and he, his cocktail socialites. So stay tuned. I'll see you Monday at 5 o'clock, the same time, every Monday and Friday, 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Peace out. Thank you, Latonya. Hold on. Don't, don't click off yet. Peace okay. out, everybody. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>